1: And welcome to episode number 97 of the LSR podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds and all of the gaming industry. With me, Dustin Galker, Adam Candy. You can find them on the Twitter machine at Dustin Galker at Adam Candy. Two E's know why you should follow them. It is free. I highly recommend it. If you hate yourself, I'm at Matt Brown. M2. We will talk what's going on in Wyoming, Georgia, Kansas. We will talk about the handle numbers that we're seeing, what's going on in Tennessee. We'll talk about an acquisition because, hey, there are always acquisitions to be had, it seems. But let's go ahead and kick things off here, guys, with the big story, and that is New York. And we have not gone a pod over the last two years without mentioning something about New York. And we were actually feeling fairly good about new york things seem to be trending in the right direction but here we sit on april the 1st and um you know we're running out of time
2: well it depends on where you sit on whether what's going on in new york is good or bad uh right now here's where things sit it's it is actively being included in negotiations over the state budget, which it sounds like a really good thing, right? It sounds like, oh, this is, this is progress. The governor and the assembly and Senate there are, are actively engaged. Here's the problem though. The, what is being included is apparently mostly what governor Andrew Cuomo wants, which is either a monopoly or a near monopoly, or in a best case, a a non-ideal scenario for sports betting that has limited operators, probably some sort of revenue share that makes it, you know, really expensive to operate in New York, and none of this is the best for better. So I don't know if we as we sit here, this is what we know is that it's on the table. There is it seems like people want mobile sports betting. It's more it's going it's trending more toward the closed model that Governor Cuomo wants rather than the more open legislative model. That would be better for just about everybody, either both casinos and and sportsbook operators and the and the betting public. So what what chances are there of this getting through? Who knows? uh, The two sponsors of of legislation, Jerry, Gary, Pretlow and uh, Joseph Adabo, have either said it's probably going to be into 50 50 shot. Adabo has said of being in the in the final budget, Uh, the deadline. They've already blown past the deadline for getting the budget done. So this will be done in overtime. And and God only knows how long that will take. So I don't know. It's it. It sounds kind of good in some ways. Not great in others. Uh, but generally it's a cluster I'd say in New York right now. And we don't know exactly what's going to happen certainly. And that's, that's basically the status quo for New York over the past couple of years as as they have considered legal sports betting. Adam,
1: we have several times said here on the pod where states have put things forth and we weren't saying that they were necessarily terrible, but they certainly weren't ideal in the grand scheme of things, at least in our humble opinions. And But we always kind of follow that up with, hey, at least something's better than nothing. We are looking to get as long as we get something going there, it can always be changed. It can always be fixed. It can always be better. The only problem here with New York is they already kind of have something because a lot of these people who really want to bet are just taking the train across the border as it is anyway and heading over to New Jersey. So it's not like it's one of these states that had nothing. It's not like one of these states where, yes, one of your bordering states had sports betting, but it was quite the haul down to the state line in order for you to cross over there and not something you could do very easily where we're looking at New York City. And, you know, if you're an avid better. Yeah, it's a little bit of an inconvenience, but you can drive across, you know, you can ride across on the train, get some work done, do whatever you need to do. Just turn around, ride the train back across and, uh, you know, you kind of make it a a part of your routine. So, you know, with New York and with things that are going on now and the way things are trending, I don't know if we would necessarily say something is better than nothing. It really does become a matter of perspective as to
0: what you think the New York market should become, because you talk about the avid bettors, and I think that's one side of it we can look at, right? We look at the avid bettors and say, there's obviously wealth in New York City that wants to bet on sports. And right now, whatever percentage of that wealth is choosing to bet in New Jersey, and another percentage is probably choosing to deal with their local guy or to take it offshore. And so if you're in New York, you want to come up with what is an appealing option And we know that from what we've seen elsewhere that the most appealing options arrive in states that have competition to drive operators to put forth better offerings. Uh, That really is something that for as few things as we can say are certain in the three years of legal sports betting, that one is as close to certain as we have. On the other side, you say, okay, well, if the goal is to bring in rec players, then are rec players going to necessarily care? about whether they have a great option or not. And I think that's kind of what the governor is banking on. The governor is banking on, let's just throw something out there and, you know, step three, profit. Well, no, step two actually matters. Step two does really come into play as to what is that product and is it going to be enough to take anybody from either New Jersey or their local guy or the offshore market and put them into the legal market. Um, You talk about, the idea of let's get something and then change it, right? And right now, that's what we're hearing from uh, from Pretlow and to some degree from Adabo, where they're saying, all right, we've fought for this for years, and it doesn't appear the governor is any weaker than we thought he was going to be based on the scandals <laughs> that he is involved in. He still seems to hold a pretty heavy hammer in these negotiations, so if the worst case that we get is we get the governor's model and then we decide to take another crack at this next year, then, okay, so be it. That's what we'll do. So that's kind of where we stand right now. The budget deadline has been pushed back. It seems into next week. And you know, that is the quickest and least painful way to get sports betting. Yes. A standalone bill theoretically could still pass, but it is much lower odds for that.
1: And and you do bring up a couple of other things here that, you know, They're the casual person who, you know, has never bet before or something like that. Yeah, we'll probably just accept anything that is put in front of them. But the people who are betting currently, you did bring up a couple of different points here that, you know, if you're putting an inferior product in front of them, then one thing that, you know, your local guy, like you're talking about, one thing that guy has going for them is people you can bet on credit. Right. And so that is a, that is an obstacle to overcome that people don't have to front the money up front, that they are able to bet on credit. You talk about the offshore market is, you know, at least it is abundant as far as options and very pretty usually uh, very competitive, if not better from a vig standpoint. And uh, a a menu standpoint and things like that. And so there are obstacles to overcome for the people who are betting that aren't even going across the border over there to, to New Jersey. And so I'm glad that you did bring that up because it's, it is, it's like, you know, look, even if you, even if it's not the people that you're wrangling from crossing across the border over there, like trying to make these people, you know, adopt what you're putting in front of them. If they've been doing these other things, there are barriers to making that happen. And if your product and if what you're offering isn't appealing, then they're not going to make that switch.
0: And you also give... The local guy and the offshore is a marketing cudgel to use against you, right? Because if you come out with an inferior product or if you come out with an intralot level product that has awful lines, that has horrible markets, that isn't offering a usable product, then it gives the offshore unregulated market a chance to say, see. See, why would you even think about switching? Look at this. Right. And there's no coming back from that. You don't get a second chance at that first impression. So that's the part that, you know, if they end up with the governor's model, ends up being a real tightrope.
1: Dustin, I mean, I, I guess, you know, where do you stand before we move on here? I mean, like, where do you stand on is something better than nothing when it pertains to New York right here? Do you do you think that getting something done is at least better than getting nothing done and that, that, you know, maybe when Cuomo's gone, maybe when, you know, other people get on board, when people have a chance to, you know, really sales pitch why it's better to have this other form, you know, they can get something changed. Or do you think that it's uh, it's really tough once you have something established to to make a change?
2: It's definitely that second thing. I don't buy the fact that they're going to pass this and then come back in a year or two and change it. That sounds like Fantasyland to me Mm -hmm. that they would do that. Not to mention the fact like we're going to if we're calling this a relatively closed model and we're going to be charging, you know, in theory, tens of millions of dollars for licenses. I I don't know what the number is. Maybe it's nine figures for a license if it's only two. Like, what do you do? Are you going to refund those people when, if you, when you open it up to like fifteen more people? Like, you can't charge a hundred million dollars or some obscene amount of money if you're then going to open it up in a year or two. It's like we're already talking about that, right? You're like, we have this closed model that's, that looks like the most likely thing to happen, and then we're, in the background we're talking, oh, we're going to go fix that later. Who's going to pay for that? How are you going to fix that in in retrospect? So. I don't I don't buy this fact that we're going to pass something in and fix it in New York. Maybe they can. Uh, that history would tell me that's not the case. But on the front end of that, yes. What, it, what is is something better than nothing? If we don't do this now, we have a you know, we have a unique point here where they've actually everybody's agreed that they should have online sports bidding. Is this the path of least resistance to getting something on the books? I don't I maybe it is. We might if we don't get it done this year who says it just doesn't go off into the netherworld and th- it doesn't come up again. Like we just, right. just continue punting it into, into the future endlessly. So I don't know. I, I, I don't think, th- I think the plan is, is not good. I don't think it's good for the consumer. You know, uh, again, you, you could argue that the, the the monopoly will create as much revenue for the state. If that's the only thing you care about. Sure. That's, that, that's not the only thing I care about. I care about, you know, uh, you know, people having open access to betting, a competitive market, et cetera, et cetera. That's what that's what's best for U.S. sportsmen across the country. So I don't know. I I I, I waffle on this. I, I want New York to get something done. But the, this is such a this is like and we don't even have the details of it either. That's the other hard part. Like if we had more details about exactly what they're saying they're going to do, I'd feel a little bit better about it. If we're creating a near monopoly, that's awful. We should not do that. If it's a less than a near monopoly, maybe I can get on board with it. so. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I'll t- it's a toss up for me, coin flip. So
1: let's uh, let's head to another state that we definitely definitely know. Uh, probably not the greatest situation going on, and that is Tennessee. We had Matt Waters on last week, and um, he gave us kind of the breakdown of what was going on over there, especially with twenty four seven. But I mean, uh, Dustin, things still in Tennessee. We're we're still kind of scratching our head a little bit.
2: Yeah. So the latest, I mean, we obviously talked about, you guys talked about last week that all the, all the nonsense with that, uh, since then we've had an injunction, uh, in, get granted in court to allow action 24 seven, the, the, uh, sportsbook app that was, uh, shut down because of all sorts of nonsense related to not following good procedures on, on money laundering and, uh, just general shenanigans going on there. So they're back in business and they're taking bets again uh, based on uh, a judge issuing an injunction saying they, they can't that they were they can't be suspended right now. So they're back in business for opening day. We saw them tweeting about opening day earlier and taking bets on that. So, um, yeah, it's it's a mess. This guy, I mean, who knows what's going on in the background? They, you know, they, are they now putting in internal controls uh, i I mean i doubt they already got that in place to to be really doing what they should be as a legal and regulated sports book uh the you know the tennessee education lottery says that they are working on that they are working with them to get that get them up to speed god only knows if that's happening um but right now this 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 book that probably should not be operating is operating again in Tennessee, and uh, that's where we stand. Not, not great. This is not again. This is uh it Seems like we're doom and gloom here today on the on the LSR podcast. But this is not what I would want to see out of a regulated sport. Regulated sports betting. I mean, it's good that we're catching this, I guess. But at the same time, right. this company shouldn't be in business. It shouldn't be taking bets right now uh, unless we had better a better sense of what's going on. And uh, this company right now does not look like a great actor to me in the U S sports betting space. And the fact that they're, that they're getting, they're being allowed to operate. just isn't, isn't, doesn't sit well with me and leaves a bad taste in my mouth.
1: And, you know, um, William Hill even has some, some trouble over there as well.
2: Yeah. Tennessee big mess. Uh, we, we have uh Another. This is that William Hill is being under review for taking a bet on a college player prop, which is you are not allowed to take under Tennessee sports betting law. This is uh, this is one that the sports books have to thread the needle. Uh, Different jurisdictions allow different things. Some ban uh, college betting entirely. Some some ban college betting on in-state, some bet, ban it on live betting on college games, some (laughs) ban player props. So you have to be, you know, you have to be a little bit on your toes on what you're offering in any market. If you're an operator and here, you know, you know, William Hill operates in many jurisdictions, takes player college player props on college football and basketball in other jurisdictions. And, and somehow somebody in Tennessee got through, got one, got one down and, uh, you know, is a violate and, you know, uh, that would obviously be a violation under Tennessee law? Not great. Uh, but again, this is what regulation does. It catches these things. Um, you know, we had some examples of, of bets that shouldn't have been placed in New Jersey in some of the early days. Uh, there hasn't been a whole lot of this kind of thing come to light, but you know, for my, in my mind, this is actually what's a little bit of what regulation is supposed to do. Is like, okay, William Hill did something wrong. They're going to get you know fined or something like that for for taking something, um, taking a bet they shouldn't have, and you know that's that's how it should work in some regards. Uh, you know, the largest part of the story is that it's ridiculous that we you know. We're we're getting we're doing this that college right. player props are banned. You can easily go on any offshore market and do that, do those bets. So any any limiting of betting on division one college athletics, I don't I think is kind of foolhardy. And that that's the larger story here is that, you know, even though this is against regulations in Tennessee, we shouldn't be doing this. We should be, you know, basically being able to offer. What's on the offshore market, you know, some of the nonsense that we've talked about on past uh, politics <laughs> and other things we should we should not be betting on. But here, why, this is clearly something that should be that legal sports books should be able to take action on.
1: Adam, uh, we live in a world of acquisition here right now in when it comes to the sports betting world, and, and that's just naturally going to occur. There's not going to be room for 100 different companies, and so it's going to start to whittle down the bigger ones. We'll buy up the other smaller ones or the, some, some of the smaller ones will just go away. Um, we did have a big acquisition in place uh, that went down just on on Tuesday with actually kind of a reverse deal here where it's a... A sports book acquiring a media company. Um, full disclosure: anybody listening to this podcast, we're going to be talking about Veasan. I actually do a program on Veasan daily, actually every night on uh, for Veasan that they distribute to uh, MSG Network out of New York. So, um, just as my opinion is being given here, I want everybody to uh, to to understand where I'm where I'm coming from.
0: Okay. Uh, and I don't believe there was a question in there, but I will give the same disclaimer um, that, uh, yeah, that I also do some contract work uh, for VSIN, which was purchased by DraftKings. Um, we've been talking plenty on the podcast, not just about MA, but about where are the remaining media tie ups for sports betting companies that could be had. And VSIN is a company that founded by Brent Musburger and his family a few years ago always felt like was something that was in this space that potentially could be acquired and maybe leveraged uh, by whether it was a sports betting company, whether it was a larger media company that wanted uh, that wanted the programming. So now we see the DraftKings uh, purchases VSIN and the speculation that our Brad Allen heard was that the deal could be up to a hundred million dollar transaction. That's unconfirmed, of course, but we now see that they have this deal FanDuel uh, purchases what you know the the assets essentially are that were um, you know the Entercom assets, Sports Grid that they're working with them. So it, it's you know there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in the space right now. The deal that we saw with DraftKings and VSIN, in the deal, it says that VSIN is intended by DraftKings to maintain editorial independence. That, of course, you know, will be an interesting line for them to walk because uh, there are programs on VSIN that have been sponsored by different sports books, by DraftKings, by BetMGM. Uh, there have been ads for others as well. You assume that that will uh, cease in some way, shape or form. And, you know, the only real question then becomes if there is news, legitimate news regarding DraftKings in the industry. And let's say the news were not necessarily positive. Uh, you know, how does Vison cover? a piece of news like that so we haven't really experienced that yet it's a question for down the line but you know one more media tie-up has uh, has been gained here for DraftKings and it'll be interesting to see how they leverage VEASAN and and in particular the distribution uh for VEASAN which Matt I know you and I have talked about because VEASAN uh quite notably went off Sirius XM at the beginning of the year and I know that's been a sore point for some of their followers.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I think this was just kind of a natural progression here for Vison at the end of the day. I mean, we're looking at a company that was, you know, most likely to, kind of, as you alluded to, most likely to be acquired in some way, shape or form down the line. And, uh, when ESPN decided to do their own thing, and Fox kind of had their own deal going with what the programming that they're going to roll out, and uh, you know, you mentioned Intercom, who we'll talk about in just a second, but they end up partnering with a, a sports book. They bought uh, BetQL, which is a uh, analytics site and things like that, and so that's kind of the route that 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 Intercom decided to take in the deal. CBS is, of course, if you go to CBS, they have every you know all the uh, William Hill where you can literally click right off of their scoreboard and, and and bet on William Hill. So all of these partnerships and things like that were, were kind of almost spoken for. And we've talked about that several times on the podcast as well. So going to an actual operator was kind of just the next, I guess, logical thing for, for a visa and all of this. And so, you know I mean? Look, it is a company with a lot of resources in DraftKings. And uh, like you said, it'll just be, will there, will, will there actually be uh editorial independence? I can't imagine DraftKings trying to go outside of that though, because that's kind of the entity that you're purchasing. If you're, I don't know the value is as high with visa and visa just becomes a, a billboard essentially. But uh, we sh- we shall see how it all kind of plays out. Dustin, um, as we mentioned, like, you know, uh, intercom, which is one of the bigger radio conglomerates in the country uh, behind iHeart. They, one well, they changed their name It's now odyssey audacity. I, I don't have any idea what, the, I don't know how you, I don't know what it is, but they changed it. Anyway, you probably heard of intercom intercom is, is the former company here. Um, but they uh, they own a bunch of sports rights as well. So they are the official radio provider of, of a ton of different sports teams across the country. They have 40 different um, sports only stations across the country as well. And several other in demos, um, you know, alternative stations and whatnot that fit kind of the demo of sports betters. And uh, they have kind of locked up with MGM here.
2: Yeah, they have a multi-year partnership with BetMGM, which, uh, yeah, I guess we're, we're into we're into the radio slash uh, audio media deals now, I guess. And they, they both came down within like an hour of each other, I think, the other day when this came down. Uh, interesting, uh, I mean, they, this company, Odyssey, it's formerly undercom. Uh, very heavily in the sports betting space also signed a deal with Fandle. So these are neither this or the M- BetMGM MGM is exclusive, but they call them quote unquote preferred sports betting partners. Which I guess <laughs> is a lot like what we see with, uh, you know, sports betting deals with teams. Nobody's getting exclusive deals, but you become an quote unquote official partner of the team. Right. So I guess this is another one of those. So, um, you know, Odyssey also uh, back late last year acquired what you said, BetQL. um, uh, Tools for doing this, so they're very heavily into into the sports betting space. They're, you know, have gone have you know gone pretty much all in on this as a as the future of of growing their business. And yeah, I mean, if you're, I mean, if you're MGM, DraftKings, and Fandle, you just you know they keep they keep taking all the oxygen out of the room, right? They keep take getting these media deals. So you see that you just take, think of them as a whole, and it's like every time you're talking about a media deal, you're you're talking you're basically going to be hearing DraftKings. FanDuel or or MGM through one of these. Yeah. I agree with you on on the Veasan stuff. Like I don't see how, if that becomes a big long commercial for DraftKings. I don't think that makes a ton of sense. So I I, I would agree with you. I hope that they the the, the, the programming keeps its editorial independence and that they they do that. I I will also say I think it's mildly funny that DraftKings doesn't operate in Vegas and, and now owns the <laughs> Vegas Sports Information Network. They do have off have had offices there in the already, but um, it, just. And and the sort we won't get in the sorted history of of Nevada and Las Vegas and, and DraftKings, but used to have you know DFS live finals there. Don't do that anymore. So their presence in in, the, in Nevada and the history of there has been has been interesting. So this is an interesting uh you know, segue into that.
1: Adam, with this, I mean, so we have DraftKings and Visa, and we have MGM and Odyssey slash in, in Intercom. Um, you're a guy that has done not only uh content around betting, but also has done just traditional sports radio. I kind of understand what's going on here because I think they're kind of starting to see the writing on the wall that some of these, well, I mean, DraftKings obviously sees it in the value of of visa. And I think that, uh, Odyssey and MGM kind of see it reciprocally of each other. But, you know, if you want true sports talk radio, I think you're you know, most people are always going to go to their local option as it is anyway, because you kind of want your guy talking about the stuff that matters to you, your team, your local college team, your local minor league team or your local pro team or whatever it might be. Um, I think national sports talk radio will be shifting, maybe not immediately, but definitely over the next several years, I think towards more where we talk the gambling aspect and the different aspects of stuff, because I think the, the days of just the talking head and saying controversial stuff just for the hell of it and and stuff you don't even mean and all of that. I, I think the generation below you and I, it just doesn't resonate with those guys. Like the, the, the first takes and the, whatever the skip Bayless show is and all stuff like that, like it rates horribly in the younger demographics. And I think these, these, I think these companies are kind of starting to get out in front of that and realize that, you know what these, they are going to be growing up with sports betting and sports betting is going to be a thing for them as they, you know, mature into not only adults, but adults who have their own money with disposable incomes and things like that. So, um, it wouldn't surprise me if national content does shift far more heavily towards this direction and traditional sports talk will be more localized. It comes down to trust
0: in the end. I think we can boil everything you just said down to do you trust what you're hearing? And it comes in two forms. One, do you trust the person that you're hearing and you have much more of a connection you know, to, you know, Joe and Mike in the morning than you do to whatever new platform is being put in front of you, right? It's a lot easier for a local station here in Las Vegas if you can integrate in some way with the host that everybody knows already versus putting new people in front of them and saying, well, why should I trust what this person who's coming to me from across the country is saying? That's one thing. I think the other thing is when you talk about the first takey kind of crowd, it's a matter of integrating the gambling content as opposed to shoving gambling content mm-hmm. down someone's throat, right? And and that's, you know, I think where you see the future of this ultimately going, and it's going to be a nuanced thing. It's going to take people who really understand both. It's going to take people who understand the radio piece and people who understand the gambling piece if you really want to build this into something that is going to be able to scale. So I see exactly where, you know, the Odyssey slash Intercom idea Is going with this in terms of getting people at the local level. What that leads to is what you talked about for me with the writing on the wall. The writing on the wall is that in states where DraftKings and FanDuel have had an opportunity to build a DFS base, and if you are not a company that has acquired a DFS provider already, then you've got to have some other way of starting to Prime that pump for customer acquisition. And so what these media deals do is they let companies reach beyond the states where it's legal right now and the states where they don't maybe have an option. You know, BetMGM and Barstool don't have an option when it comes to getting customers through those other means. They have, of course, Barstool has its, you know, its cultish sort of thing and MGM has its casino database, but they don't have those dedicated players the way the DraftKings and FanDuel can snap their fingers and turn it on. And so when you start looking, you know, four or five years forward to what states are going to legalize, if you started to build some trust in those markets where things are starting to happen down the line, then maybe you might not be on equal footing, but at least you're not coming flat footed.
1: Right. It's kind of what we were talking about, I think, with Bally's last week as well. Right. This uh, the the buying to the naming rights of the local sports, you know, of the regional sports networks and things like all of those regional sports networks don't necessarily have sports betting currently. But, you know, as we found out with DraftKings and FanDuel, if your brand is already known in their case through DFS um, and the commercials that they ran through that, it is a much easier it's a it's a much easier road here than it if you're just trying to break in once things get actually done so I mean again I think that's kind of what what Bally saw in this uh naming rights deal for the 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 regionals the Foxport former Fox Sports regionals the what Odyssey sees here with MGM what you know what DraftKings is kind of looking at I think with VEASAN just to have that you know a, a content arm and stuff so yeah I'm I'm with you I think this is towards the future and a lot of people are just looking you know I think years down the line I think people are looking at this, these deals as in it's like April of 2021. And they're saying like, oh, this deal, what? Is, I don't really get it. And why does it make sense and stuff? It's like, yeah, I think this deal is looking more like April 2023, 2024. So uh, I think we can judge whether these things were successful more like two or three years down the line. Dustin Handel, uh, let's talk, uh, let's talk Handel in all the states that have reported so far
2: we've seen this trend and I think it's worth worth talking about the trend and, and putting it a little bit in context of, of pullback from February to January. Now this is, I don't think this is sky is falling stuff. The most recent example we have is, is Colorado pulling back uh, about 266 million down million and handle in February down from 327 million in January. Now I don't, uh, the reason that I think this is not, the hugest of deals is we now the rest of the US sports betting space is not always mirrored what happens in Nevada but this is what happens in Nevada is that football season ends you have you have the super bowl obviously a big huge betting event maybe not quite as big outside of Nevada as it is in other states but you have this volume of games still even in January with you know the end of college football season you have multiple playoff games and and lots of interest in those playoff games so you have a lot of betting volume still on football in Januarys and that dissipates in February now, even though we know that live betting and betting on basketball and, and things like that is is more in, in other st- in as in February. Like if that hasn't quite caught up to that means we're going to see growth from February to January. So we, we, we I think we have to be a little stand back and say this is not the sky is falling. We've not reached maturity. But, you know, this is a this is a normal part of the calendar where even though the Super Bowl is in February, this does not mean that sports betting is done growing. So you're going to see a little. You're going to see more of this, obviously. As and or now we're going to be doing year over years where we have no sports, right? Because March is when right. this start well, This this all started. So we're not going to have great data on this. So when we see pullback like that, not it's not the, the the end of the world for for sports betting. So I I haven't seen a whole lot of that. But I was I was worried we'd start seeing a lot of skies falling things. But that is not the case. Uh, the other part of this, we have, uh, you know, the other one we have recently, Virginia, which was its first full month. So this is we obviously saw growth there. First full month, $265 million handle. handle. Um, you know, I, I don't know exactly what we'd expect, but that's kind of in line with what we're seeing from similar sized markets at this point. And, uh And in and launching in a, you know, obviously around the Super Bowl. And. Uh, in January, lots of interest in in signing people up and a lot of betting activity. You know, with Mar- March Madness, maybe a little muted. You can't bet on Virginia teams in Virginia. Um, like one of those weird college pre- prohibitions we talked about. Those are two states we've seen there. Um, you know, but it'll be interesting to see what the March Madness betting is because just so many games, so much live betting opportunity. That's that's where the growth segment will be. Even if it doesn't happen this year, you're going to see more of that in the future.
1: And Adam, take us home here on all of our state updates Wyoming, Georgia, Kansas, West Virginia, everybody.
0: Well, Matt, as you and I have been predicting for years now, Wyoming. Yes, will be the first state to legalize in 2021, assuming yeah. they can get the governor's signature. I mean, Cash obviously, that ticket. yeah, uh, yeah. We've, I mean, we have been saying that one for <laughs> forever now. Obviously, I have to say the, the the fact that we were surprised that there was a bill introduced in the first place, and then this thing just sailed along and is now passed the Senate as well. It's on its way to the governor. Wyoming is going to pass a model that is going to look a lot like its neighbor, Colorado. It's going to be all online. It's going to be a fairly reasonable tax rate. The only sort of interesting provision they have is that in order to operate in Wyoming, that sports book that wants to apply has to be operating in at least three other states. So we've seen so many bills recently try to say, well, we want to make sure the local people have an opportunity. And Wyoming basically said, no, we're good with that. You need to be a big <laughs> operator who we can uh, see has been able to succeed in other places if you want to be here. Um, yeah, so uh, the, the question is just whether we get the signature or not. Assuming it happens and we haven't heard anything to the contrary, what's interesting about Wyoming is that as small as it is in population, if you think about the Jackson holes of the world, there is potentially a fair amount of wealth uh, seasonally that could be Mm -hmm. up in Wyoming at any given time. And there could be some people with some rather large bankrolls who might be interested in betting. So Wyoming could be a sneaky little one uh, as we move forward here. Georgia was not going to be so sneaky, but Georgia was a great example of something that our old friend Chris Grove has talked about many times. There are far, far more things that can derail a bill than there are things that can help a bill get through. And the sports betting bill in Georgia is dead for the year. Uh, The session ended with the bill on the House floor, and this bill was caught in a political tug-of-war. There's been lots of national coverage of the fact that Georgia passed some uh, very restrictive voting rights bills. Democrats on the committees that... Uh, were evaluating the sports betting bill, withdrew their support not only for that bill, but for a number of other bills in protest of these voting rights bills. Uh, There there was some coverage suggesting uh, as well that uh, that protests by NBA players over these voting rights rankled some Republicans. So in the end, it's done for the year. You hope it comes back in 2022 because Georgia looked like a pretty decent bet to get something done. Uh, And then you saw the political process do what the political process ultimately does. Uh, In Kansas, it's not totally dead, but chances are it's going to be difficult to get through. That bill ran into some trouble in the House. Good article from our uh, newest writer, Pat Evans, on the LegalSportsReport.com website right now. You can check that out and find out what's going on with Kansas. Uh, There was sort of a no-hope bill that uh, West Virginia saw come through trying to open up their market a little bit more. Um, Again, it was a bill that didn't have much of a chance. It's not really going anywhere. So we're sort of stuck uh, on that one as well. That one appears dead dead. Uh, In addition, so uh, quiet as well from Arizona, we're thinking that one might be stalled out, even though that one looked like it had a pretty good chance to get through. So, again, this is why at the beginning of the year, when people ask for predictions like how many states are going to legalize this, year, we look at them and say, listen, we are always more conservative because it doesn't take much to derail a gambling bill.
1: Yeah, it is. uh, You know, a couple of people start to speak out, a couple of a little bit of a little bit of misinformation starts getting uh, circled around. And then the next thing you know, we're uh, we're sitting here going, yeah, that's dead. And uh, that one's dead. And uh, that one's dead. But My, uh, my three and
2: a half states not looking so bad, I think. I think that's the number I said earlier.
1: Yeah, no, I think it is looking, I think it's looking pretty fantastic. So we'll, uh, We'll, we'll certainly keep you up to date on Dustin, whether Dustin hits his uh, the over or the under on uh, on his prediction there. Guys, we're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher and Google. So we really do appreciate if you go in, subscribe, rate and review. Let everybody know that you enjoy the information that is being distributed here on the pod. If you want to follow Dustin on Twitter, you can at Dustin Gawker. You want to follow Adam at Adam Candy. That is two E's, no Y. And as always, all of the stuff that we talk about here on the pod, you can find in written form. Over on com, So by all means, head over there Read all of the great words That Adam and team are putting together Over there, you will not regret it For Dustin, for Adam I'm Matt, talk to you guys next week
2: true overwhelming power the sauce of destiny yes the most legendary sauce has
0: arrived as mcdonald's transforms into the anime world of wick donald's the greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece wick nuggets fries and sprites ultra powerful unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at wick donald's ba-da-ba-ba-ba go and participate in mcdonald's for a limited time while supplies last